What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez-Peak. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It is a podcast for gamers who are not playing Baldur's Gate 3 this week. <laughs> so I, I've been seeing a lot of, like, penises. Is, is, yeah. that, is that true? There's, like, you can be naked in Baldur's Gate. There's, like, a variety so, like, you can the- choose from. Yeah, like, the main thing I know about Baldur's Gate 3 is that rather than, like, a gender slider at the beginning of the game, you have, like, penis 1, penis 2, penis 3, vulva 1, <laughs> vulva 2, vulva 3. And, I mean, hey. Putting the balls in Baldur's Gate. Let's, yeah, let's... there you go. I mean, I guess it beats, like, body type A, body type B, and, like, 1 is yeah, clearly, like, masculine has abs, and body type B is, like, tits big and is, titty yeah, yeah. Exactly. big ass big titties yeah you see i this is uh i was listening to waypoint and patrick lepeck is like ripping apart final fantasy 16 and one of mm-hmm. the reasons he rips final fantasy 16 a new one is he's like these fuckers are trying to be game of thrones but i don't see a single titty the whole time mm. and that's very they, they like really there's like they like don't know what they're trying they know they want to be game of thrones but they don't commit is there really commit, no because i don't see there's yeah. no titties. I was I, no I really titties. wanted to know if there was any full frontal nudity in Final Fantasy 16. It has the energy no, I mean, you of see, something that would have You do see some, some tasteful Clive butt. That's true. There is there is a lot of man butt to its credit. Okay. Um, like muscular man butt. That's always great. But there is no titties. And Baldur's no Gate dong. is like cock, balls, titties, screen one. Let's go. Vulva, vulva A, vulva the, B. Yeah, I think that is the energy we need. That is yeah, the energy right. we need. I feel like the computer that I have would probably burst into flames if I even like searched Baldur's Gate 3 on Steam. So I don't <laughs> think that's really an option for me at the moment. <laughs> I know, I know. And then like Jesse's considering selling his PC because he's like, I don't really play PC games anymore. I just play PS5. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're doing this as Baldur's Gate is coming out? Interesting you have a Steam Deck timing. too. I mean, oh, is it something you think you could get on Steam Deck? See, this is an interesting question because okay. there are like new games that can run on the Steam Deck, but like you don't want to. Like you can ah, run okay. Elden Ring on a Steam Deck, but like are you going to have a great time? Okay. No. Like the battery life is going to be like 60% of what it usually is and you're going to have some I frame see. stuff and like Yeah. It's it's like that and it was like that when it first came out and so I'm wondering if like all PCs have this problem of like you got to update like the video card and like the, you know like you have to mm-hmm. keep doing that as new games come out. That's the, the nature of PCs. This is why I'm a console gamer. Um, yeah. And so I'm wondering at some point, are they going to add accessories to a Steam Deck? Are they going to make a new Steam Deck? Like how are they going to compete mm-hmm. with like or like uh, catch up and stay in tandem with new games? Because Elden Ring already pushes it to its limit. So yeah. That's true because it's like the Switch has kind of rapidly become like the indie gaming box and part of that is just due to the fact that it's too underpowered to play most AAA releases nowadays. Like same thing. It's like you could play No Man's Sky on Switch, but like would you really want to if would you have you another really platform? Want- you could play Dark Souls, would you really? You could play Dark Souls. You could play Dark Souls. Um yeah, but I I mean the Steam Deck probably doesn't want to just become like the thing that you play indie steam games on i assume they want to be the thing that you play triple a games on so that's a good point i hadn't thought of that yeah steam deck is great for playing emulated ps2 games that's honestly <laughs> what it's best at <laughs> <laughs> all right before we get too deep in the show i want to go ahead and uh shout out so at the end of last episode nathaniel put out a call to action that was like the first person to email us with the subject line i'm listening gets their email read out on the show so this was this was nathaniel's uh we we got a couple yeah we got a couple um oh my god so this was nathaniel trying to see if anybody actually would email and if they were actually listening at the last five minutes of the show so i'll go ahead and put it here up front like if you ever want to email us questions or whatever like thoughts about games thoughts about the show thoughts about whatever hey press start at gmail.com i'm going to start with the email that we received first the other day this one comes from Video Game Podtimism host Chase. Of course it does. Chase of writes. It does. Good afternoon. 
My name is Chase, and I'm writing to you today to inform you that I believe the best Fortnite skin to be the default skin. In an era where the very company that makes Fortnite is trying to get us to live in their metaverse all the time, it feels like an act of defiance to not only not purchase any skins, but also to not equip any either. By leaving your skin as the default option, you are telling Epic Games, I am here for gaming, not for capitalism, which, in the year of our lord 2023, feels like the words to live by. Attached is the result of me googling Tim Sweeney sad. All the best, Chase. And, uh... You can't see it, listener, but it is just a picture of Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic, and they just use like the drag tool in Photoshop to pull <laughs> his face down into a frown. It's pretty good. Um, what are your thoughts? Default skin in Fortnite. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is interesting because to me, I have not played Fortnite. Those types of games are not my type of games. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that, like, half of the appeal is the skin. So, like, I don't play Fortnite. However, there's another type of, like, free game I play online that people think is very annoying and skin-heavy, and that is Fall Guys. I was like, hoping you'd bring Guys, up Fall Guys. You could yeah. be Sonic. You can be Pusheen. You could be a Capybara. Um, sorry, that one's new. I'm trying to, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get that one. Um, because otherwise you're just a generic jelly bean. And like, yes, mm-hmm. the game can be enjoyed if you're a, gen- a generic jelly bean, but it's really cool when you are Hello Kitty shaped, mm-hmm. right? Or you're fried chicken or you're a banana, whatever. Um, or I think they actually added a Star Trek one. You could be a Klingon. Really weird. Really weird choice kind of fun, I guess. Yeah. for a fall guy. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I do see what he's coming from here because you can get into a rabbit hole where you start spending money. And I have spent mm-hmm. real life money on Fall Guy skins. And you're like, wasn't this game supposed to be free? Wasn't this supposed to be basically a public good? What are we doing? Yeah. So I, I see the importance of just bringing it back to the roots. I do wonder, though, with Fortnite, if there's an element of peer pressure. Because when I play Fall Guys with Jesse and his friends, sometimes they're all like, we're all wearing fedoras. We're all wearing the pushing outfits, like squad up. You know, so like if you're walking in and you're like generic guy, but everyone else is like Timothee Chalamet, fucking Spider-Man. Do you feel the pressure to to be whomever? I will say so one I want to shout out. There's a really good YouTube video from Folding Ideas, Dan Olson on YouTube, where he talks about like this is from a few years ago now. But like I still think it holds true about how like Fortnite is super, super good at kind of weaponizing the FOMO of kids into purchasing cosmetics as status symbols because they're only in the store for short periods of time. So they're kind of like like chase cards in a trading card pack. You know, it's like you if you buy the Dune skin when the Dune skin is out, that might be the last time the Dune skin is in the shop for a year and a half. So when people a year later see you in game with the Dune skin, it's like, holy shit, he was playing when Timothy Chalamet was in the shop and he bought Timothy Chalamet. How cool is that? But um, I think it's funny. This You were talking about like, oh, this game is supposed to be free. I remember so vividly when I got Soul Calibur 4 on the PlayStation 3. So this is the Soul Calibur that has uh, Star Wars characters in it, right? And oh my god, the- I can only imagine the intros like the Force Awakens, but will it? It was like, so fucking good. It was so intros. fucking good. But like the Soul Calibur games from two onward had like uh licensed characters who were special to each version of the game. So it's like yeah. GameCube. Yeah, GameCube had Link, but PS2 had Heihachi mm-hmm. from Tekken. And you couldn't get Heihachi yeah. in the GameCube one because it was the GameCube one, not the PS2 one. So by the mm-hmm. time four rolls around, Darth Vader is the PS3 one and Yoda is the Xbox one. But oh, we were we were a Yoda family. Really? See, we were a Darth Vader family. But 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 <laughs> I was talking my dad calls me one day out of the blue. I like wasn't at his house and he calls me and he's like, I was playing Soul Calibur 4 online and I fought against some guy playing as Yoda. I didn't think we could play crossplay. And I was like, I don't know. And so then he went onto the PlayStation store and found that for five bucks you could buy the other character who was the licensed one for the other game. So we were able to oh, get Yoda. Sick. But I remember I came back over to my dad's and he he bought Yoda and he was like I put in my credit card information, but I still remember thinking, like, wow, is this the direction games are going now? Like, 
I paid $50 for this new game, but I had to pay another $5 to get the rest of the content. Like, it kind of feels like they shipped me an unfinished game and then sold me the last part of it. And I'm looking back like, wow, sweet summer child. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that is, uh, man. Man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy if how much shit could, has changed. If only you could fathom Final Fantasy <laughs> If only you could fathom Final Fantasy XV, a game where the end part of the story was a DLC. Yes, yes. <laughs> or like, <laughs> like you had- the, the way some games ship now, where it's like, like Ubisoft is really bad about this, where like the main menu has like start game and then shop underneath it, <laughs> where it's like, oh my minute, god, minute I hate one, that. They're like, open that. up the store. <laughs> but um, to answer, to kind of get back to Chase's comment, like I. I use the default skin in Fortnite, but like when I play with Nathaniel and he's got all these fun skins, I do feel a little bit of FOMO. I won't lie. Like I have looked at the Star Wars skins and they put them in the store and been like, I kind of do like the Luke Skywalker, but I haven't bit the bullet yet. I haven't put V Bucks in it. So I don't know. They've got Jujutsu Kaisen. Like a dry. Oh, really? Yeah, they have Jujutsu Kaisen that's, stuff in Fortnite, right? Yeah. I've never watched yeah. it, so I don't really get it. But, like, they added power-ups from, like, some of the characters that can be dropped in their, like, weapons. Can I just be honest with you? Jujutsu Kaisen yeah. is just Naruto. It's just Naruto. Is it really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it better but, than um, Naruto? I liked Naruto as a kid, and I don't <laughs> care for JJK at all. Oh, I thought you watched JJK. But Jesse likes it. Okay. I watched the first season. Jesse really okay. likes it. But Fair enough. Maybe we should do some sort of like dry January challenge where we're like <laughs> raw. I want to say raw skins. What? <laughs> <laughs> no skins challenge. No skins. When we yeah. play, yeah, when we play games. We're all just generic. Like I'll just be a red jelly bean in Fall Guys. Okay. Yeah. You'll just and be a generic guy in Fortnite. Well, I'm always a generic guy in Fortnite, but uh, it's oh but hell it's yeah, Fortnite. brother. So we can call it like the foreskins challenge. <laughs> no, uh, oh that's pretty God. good, wasn't it? That was pretty good. Yeah, re- return um, to our, our our video game birthday suits. There you go. This intro has gone on so long. Do you want to talk about some video game news? Yeah. So, Pokemon presents. It happened. Yeah, I was camping. There were some Pokemon things. So. I heard there was it was a bit of a swing and a miss because all yes. I saw. Can I just be honest with you? When Please. I was looking at this stuff on Twitter, when I was like close to like this the Starbucks a hundred miles away from our campsite to like get mm. a crumb of internet, um, <clears throat> the only thing else I saw on Twitter were graphics that people had made that showed what should have been the Pokemon presents. I saw that more than what was actually presented at the Pokemon presents. Like I saw all these fan graphics of like, they should have had Pokemon red, yellow on Nintendo switch online. They should Mm -hmm. have had this. And I'm like, what actually happened? Cause all I saw was people complaining about what didn't happen. So I will start by saying, um, I remember like two days before the Pokemon Direct, you know how Nintendo does a thing where they announce it and they announce how long it's going to be? Um, yeah. They tweeted like, this is going to be a 35 minute Pokemon Presents with new information about blah, blah, blah. And I saw this one tweet that it's was like, long. 35 minutes? That's so long. This can't possibly just be mobile games. And I saw that tweet and I was like, this person jinxed it. <laughs> <laughs> So it it opened famous last words. Oh, seriously, it opened with like lengthy things about uh, Pokemon Unite and Pokemon Go and Pokemon Masters EX and Pokemon Cafe Mix, and that was probably like the first fifteen minutes. Just all the mobile games, all the free to play wow. stuff, and I was like, okay, I just kind of had it on the background while I was working. And then the first real thing they jumped into was, um, well, I don't remember the order of things here. I'm going based on like what was more interesting to me. They showed off DLC for Scar. Scarlet and Violet. It's a new Elite Four. There's some new areas. Um, 
I don't know. I'm looking at an article on The Verge right now to refresh myself. There's, like, a photo-specific side quest that's going to have you, like, taking pictures with your Rotom camera and shit. Like, okay, so I more don't know. Pokemon Snap. You know, the more I see DLC of Scarlet Violet, the less I want to get back into Scarlet Violet. The first time I saw DLC, I was like, okay, this game is janky as shit, but mm-hmm. I'll do it. And, like, after the third trailer I've seen of the DLC, I'm like, no, it's not worth it. Yeah, Yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, like... It's another case of, like, talk about selling you an unfinished game and then giving you more content. Like, I know, like, people have said that Sword and Shield were kind of mid at launch, but once all the DLC came out, Sword and Shield was, like, they they had added in so many more Pokemon through the DLC that it got more interesting. But I'm just like, I don't know. It's going to be more of Scarlet and Violet. So if you fucked with Scarlet and Violet, there's going to be more of that if you give them money for it. Um, The more interesting thing here was the announcement that the Switch Online expansion pass has been updated to include a few new games. So, uh, like you mentioned Red, Blue, and Yellow, people are fucking clamoring for the old Pokemon games to show up on Switch Online. I'm clamoring. I've always wanted to play them. And, like, it kind of seems like a no-brainer. It's funny, I was talking to Nathaniel about this earlier on the phone, because we were talking about uh, Pokemon stuff. Like, I'm kind of torn. Like, I think Game Freak probably knows that they could sell this back to people you know like they sold them on the 3ds for 10 bucks a pop i'm a little surprised that they haven't done it nathaniel said he kind of anticipates that they're going to put the game boy color versions of them on there so that it's locked behind Mm. the expansion pass for switch online and that wouldn't surprise me i think that would fucking sell expansion passes like crazy oh absolutely what they did put on switch online was pokemon stadium 2 and the Pokemon TCG game for the Game Boy Color, which is on the Game Boy Switch Online, so it's this accessible. This was the most... Okay, can I be honest with you? Please. I didn't know this game existed until you tweeted about it. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's so funny. And I, pl- I played the card game like with mm-hmm. cards as a child. Oh, wow. And I played Pokemon games as a child. Mm-hmm. And I did not know a trading card video game existed. That's fascinating because, like, I knew the trading card game existed and, like, I had a bunch of the cards because I like to look at the pretty pictures. And we were talking about this a bit before the episode started. Like, we grew up in the early 2000s. So, like, all of the Pokemon stuff that people bought for their kids in 1998 and 1999 had ended up at Goodwill by then. So, like, anytime my dad saw Pokemon shit at Goodwill, he bought it for me because he knew I liked the anime. He knew I liked the toys. So I had a bunch of Pokemon cards growing up, but I never learned how to play the game. I just kind of, like, looked at the pretty pictures. So when I learned there was a card game video game, I was like, I don't know how to play the card game. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of get that. I Likewise, because we came into it technically after its commercial peak, Mm -hmm. I inherited cards from my brother and my cousin. Mm. And then I was the master of, like, mom is picking up cough medicine at CVS. And I'm like, oh, there's a deck of cards. Um, so <laughs> that is, that is, that was my hustle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, it's interesting. So what, what have been your experience so far with the trading card? video game so i'll talk about this more when we get into like what we've been playing because i have been playing the trading card game i booted that shit up like pretty much immediately after they announced it was coming on there because it was okay it was a pokemon game i've never tried those are few and far between um i think it's really tight and the thing i'll start with and this will this will serve as a nice teaser to listen to the whole episode it has a very very good tutorial on how to play the card game at the very beginning of it and it like kind of got me hooked through that. And I I played through the tutorial and I was like, wow, I'm 25 and I just now learned how to play the Pokemon trading card game. <laughs> I wish I had known it was that easy when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Well, so, now um, you can start going to tournaments and like beating kids. Well, the only so problem with that <laughs> is that like all the physical Pokemon cards I have are from like 1999 and 2000. So like I have no doubt the game has changed quite a bit since then. So I understand. Yeah, people are, are crystal super evolving. You know, like the fourth evolution they have in some of the newer games. So, yeah. Like, this is my mega evolved Empoleon. And you're like, I have a Geodude. Yeah, I know like twice as old as you are. Meta. I don't yeah, really know. Yeah. Uh, 2023 meta and i'm pretty certain it's different now yeah. so so those they were added like, um, absolutely roided up sprigadito <laughs> that is just gonna destroy your entire deck 
the funny thing too about the pokemon stadium games and i've seen some people complain on social media about this is that like um those games are kind of built around the ability to transfer your pokemon from the game boy games over like the one of the main selling points was that you could put your cartridge in the n64 transfer pack and then oh my god your bulbasaur from pokemon red is on the screen in 3d and like it has a lot of uh like challenges and gauntlets and tournaments that you take your pokemon through in that game but without being able to transfer pokemon over from a game boy game all you have are the like rental pokemon you can get in game and my understanding is is that like in order to beat the most difficult challenges in that game it is next to impossible to do that with the rental pokemon so it's like it kind of it would not surprise me if they eventually put red blue and yellow on the store or on switch online in some capacity because they have other games that would like function well with them but in the meantime you just have like the two pokemon stadium games that while good like you're missing a lot of the functionality of those games without that yeah they have like pokemon snap they have like pokemon's they have all these like what i would call peripheral yeah pokemon games uh so i think it's a matter of time but of course they they gotta save it for last um very on brand for you to get into a video game based on a card game though that's that's a classic noah move i don't know what happened man i've become so card game pilled between like getting into magic and like now i know how to play the pokemon card game and i'm rifling through 25 year old cards trying to see if i could make a deck from all the nonsense i have like yeah i don't know what happened i'm gonna try to i'm gonna build two decks and i'm gonna force christine to learn how to play it with me so yeah i do think i do think the theory holds true that as a man approaches his 30s he has to determine what type of guy he's going to be that's gonna be really into world war ii or making your own beer or being into coffee (laughs) or grilling and you're like leaning all you're pivoting all the way into being a card guy see this is the tricky thing though is i'm i've got i got fingers in multiple pots you know i'm also kind of a coffee guy your 20s aren't over yet exactly yeah (laughs) i'm kind of a coffee guy i'm kind of a i'm kind of a like a wine i kind of i'm kind of like a beer guy i'm not rich enough to be a wine guy you know what i mean so like i kind of got fingers in multiple pots but my my brother is is my brother's fully in the coffee guy because he Mm. was a barista so in college and now he wants to open up his own cafe one day mm. oh, that's um, cool we jesse we were in Asheville a couple days ago and jesse went to the moog museum which is a museum <gasps> of, oh yeah like the theremin yeah. the synthesizers Moogie like synthesizers, robert yeah. moog like yeah and he bought himself a a toy theremin they also had a toy for children, a toy synthesizer that was $200 and he nearly bought it for himself. Oh my god. So like I I'm seeing I'm seeing potentially mm-hmm. a a, synth- a a synthesizer guy. Yeah. I, I can see it. How cool is that though that you get to watch the formation of a synthesizer guy like in real time? <laughs> yeah, no this is um well I, I never have room to plug anything in my house. Probably, I'll probably never have an electrical outlet to charge my phone ever fucking That's again. True. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm seeing it happen in real time. That's incredible. That's really incredible. It is. In- it is incredible. You know, another type of guy that pivots into our next news item: guys who are really into westerns. Oh, and that was my grandpa. Oh, yeah, that's... Was t- he? That, yeah. I feel like there's not as many Western guys nowadays. I feel like that's a very, like, boomer thing with, like... Yeah, boomer, you know, silent Westerns. gen. I think you have to be drafted to be a, a Western guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. These, these new guys, they're just about exquisite drinks, you know. Hard that's times true. make hard men. Soft hard times, times make, make Western make men. Guys yeah. who like drinks soft times make beer guys yeah it makes sense it makes sense um speaking of western guys so a few weeks ago on the show we talked about how there was a rumor floating around that rockstar was working on a port of the original red dead redemption onto modern consoles and lo and behold here it is red dead redemption it might even be out by the time you hear this it's out like roughly a week from when we're recording this it's coming to switch it's coming to PS4 and 5. It's coming to PC. But this, the kicker here is that they're not really doing anything to it. It's going to be like slightly upscaled. Uh. It's functionally just a port of this game. Which like, I think I said this to Nathaniel a few weeks ago when we were talking about this. Is it's like, I get it. 
I think it's probably a net positive that it will be available on more consoles, but I can buy a copy of Red Dead Redemption for the PS3 used for like 10 bucks max. I saw a article yeah, earlier. Yeah, I feel like, isn't this, isn't this one of those games you get for free on like the PlayStation Network? If you have like, I mean, you know, it just probably. feels like one of those. I'm like, why yeah. would I pay money for this? I saw someone point out earlier that so the new version is releasing for 50 bucks. It's not going to be a full priced 60 or $70 game. But right now, if you own an Xbox, you could go buy the original version on the store for $40. So it's like, yeah, let me look something up real quick. Point? So Metroid Prime Remastered, which was a mm-hmm. very nice remaster, like Borderline yeah. Remake was like $40. Mm hmm. So 50... yeah, there was there was all that talk when that one came out that was like this sets a new bar for remastered games. Although to be fair, the Resident Evil Four uh, remaster or remake mm-hmm. rather, the Resident Evil Four remake was sixty bucks. Okay, and that was so, another one, wasn't it? That it was like functionally a remake of that game that yeah. they like changed a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's not even a remake; it's just more of like a support. Yeah. I think that should be. I think that should be like forty. Drop that shit down a little Drop bit. Make it like down. thirty. Thirty bucks. Thirty bucks max. Come on, it's gonna yeah. be on sale in like a week. Um, does this? Did you ever play Red Dead Redemption? Does this have you want to play Red Dead Redemption? No, but I've always been like curious about it. I feel like it's something I mm-hmm. missed out on. I wasn't really the demo for this as like a thirteen-year-old girl when it came out, yeah. sort of thing. But Western stuff has just like never really appeared appealed to me as like a vibe. It's like an mm-hmm. aesthetic, like, I like fantasy stuff, I could do sci-fi stuff, you know, like Metroid, mm-hmm. um, medieval type stuff, and or even like urban modern fantasy like Persona. Wild West has always been like, I don't know, man. The Wild West is tricky as a setting, too, because it's so tied up in, like, racist elements. Even if you're Oof. not, even if you are doing your best to, like, scrub it of any of the actual racism that existed yeah. in that time period like a lot of the a lot of the themes of it have this baked in pioneer yeah pioneer manifest and destiny that, like, and then, anti-indigenous yeah cowboys versus indians type of exactly vibe yeah i, I ooh. I had a brief moment where I got really into the Western aesthetic when I was reading the Dark Tower series, Stephen King's The Dark Tower series, because that's about a cowboy who travels through multiple dimensions, but he's like a knight of the round table, less of a cowboy, more of like King Arthur, basically. More more but like, you know, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> sort of, sort of. Yeah, the Dark Tower is sort of like Assassin's Creed, if you think about it. Um and but i mean all that really culminated in was like i played fallout new vegas which is like a really good game um play fallout new vegas i don't know it's good solid game solid game yeah so red dead redemption um other than that i mean it was kind of a slow week i think most people are just digging into Baldur's gate and not making a whole lot of news um i saw outside of games that uh marvel vfx workers are unionizing or attempting to unionize which is super dope so We're all about that here. We super, super support unions. Yeah, I was um, listening to a podcast uh, a couple months ago. I remember, I remember mm-hmm. it's a couple months ago because I remember listening to it while playing Tears of the Kingdom um, okay, yeah. about VFX artists and like they have such unst- I mean, creative work is not known for its stability, but they have very tenuous like livelihoods. And the word on the street amongst VF- VFX people is that Marvel great name but in terms of quality of life is actually one of the worst shops to work at wow um and many that doesn't of them surprise have worked me. on like, one marvel movie like for name recognition i've been like yeah never fucking doing this again that really doesn't surprise me especially considering like the stuff i've heard is that marvel is very into like the fix it or change it in post kind of mentality where mm. it's like especially since they have such a complex continuity that they have to keep up with it's yeah. like if a if a show ends up coming out first, then they might have to go in and like digitally alter scenes that do this, this, and that, and contradict this. So yeah, it doesn't yeah. surprise me. And like, not to mention the- all of like the we made this prequel twenty years after the original came out. Now we yeah. have to de-age a bunch of people, and like you know all that, all that just like ugh, all that yeah. stuff in Star Wars too. Oh yeah. It'll be, I don't know, I really hope that the eventual direction is unionization there, just because, like, 
the this is no ding against VFX workers. It's just like a newer type of thing. And since it's a newer type of thing, it doesn't have the the institutional history that like the Writers Guild has or oh, yeah. that the Actors Guild does. Yeah. So it's like these people can be taken advantage of more easily because they're newer. It's a newer thing. And because of that, it just hasn't become a union yet. So yeah, like, fingers crossed that this leads it, to it something It definitely big. should. And I, I was thinking about that too because like, as someone, as a journalist who works in the audio space, particularly in podcasting, like, okay, podcasts aren't new anymore. They're like 15 years old, 16 years old mm-hmm. at this point. But there's certainly a, it's definitely a newer corner of journalism than, say, the newspaper, right? Yeah. And so yeah. in the Writers Guild, and in like, I, I'm in a lot of spaces with other audio journalists and ex public radio people who are like making their own independent journalist like podcasts and narrative mm-hmm. podcasts. And, there is a sense of like, we have issues in our own spaces. Case in point, audio companies like Wondery just permanently hiring contractors, never just hiring a person like with yeah. health insurance and that sort of thing. And not to say that doesn't happen in like print journalism, but like, uh, the audio world is so full of just contract after contract after contract, which is what I do. Yeah. Instead of just like a normal fucking job, uh, that, that's like an issue. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that tends to be more of an issue in younger fields. Mm-hmm. And there is more of this startup y, just like exploitation thing. Yeah. It's um, like the Silicon Valley startup mindset. Yeah. Yeah. There is, but like that. I'm not saying contracts are bad. I have done them. I am about to accept one. Yeah. But like there, there is a disproportionate amount of contract jobs to like normal jobs, nine to five, you get a 401k, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think as podcasting as a field becomes more established and aged, I think hopefully we'll see some of those problems start to resolve, but we'll see. Yeah. But I could totally see with VFX artists, it's a kind of a nation field compared to like screenwriting, acting, etc. And so they are, yeah. and also technological development and all that stuff and AI and all that stuff. And I'm very interested to see how that pans out. Okay. This, this actually segues really beautifully into something I was going to talk about, like when we talk about what we're playing. So do you want to just go ahead and go there? Yeah. What are we playing? So I will start off because I, I have a beautiful segue. Um, one of the things I wanted to shout out is the podcast, A More Civilized Age. I think I've shouted this podcast out before. This is from the Waypoint sphere of people. Like it's uh, Austin Walker, who used to be on Waypoint, Rob Zachney, who is still on Remap Radio, and then um, Ali, who is on Friends at the Table, and Natalie Watson, who used to be on Waypoint and occasionally pops into Remap Radio. And it started as a Star Wars Clone Wars rewatch podcast. The The impetus of this podcast was that they were going to watch through Star Wars Clone Wars. And now that they've finished Star Wars Clone Wars, they've moved on to Star Wars Rebels, which is the, the animated series that follows that show. And SAG-AFTRA recently released new guidelines for, like, podcasters and influencer types and that kind of thing that are like, hey, do your best to not encourage people to watch struck content. And so uh, the A More Civilized Age crew made the decision since even though Star Wars Rebels is done, it's not only on Disney+, Plus. But a sequel show to that, the Ahsoka show that's about to drop on Disney Plus, is like a sequel to Star Wars Rebels. So they were like, by us encouraging people to watch Star Wars Rebels, we're kind of falling in line with Disney, who is also encouraging people to do this. So they are putting a halt on their Star Wars Rebels watch until the strike is over. And in place of a normal episode in the feed this week, they had Adam Conover from Adam Ruins Everything, who has kind of become like the face the of the strike yeah it's fucking hysterical. i've listened to like three different interviews with him about the strike he's such a good like he's re- everywhere resource. yeah yeah you it's so understand awesome what's going on and i'm just feeling vindicated because like i fucking loved adam ruins everything when it was on tv i was like i got really into it in high school i really liked adam ruins everything so they had adam conover on for like a two and a half hour episode where he just like broke down every element of the strike the history of the unions yeah past strikes all this stuff it was fucking fantastic like it was so so good and it's like 
It's exactly what I expected from that crew of people, but it is not what I expected to end up in my feed from my Star Wars podcast. So really fantastic. They're kind of in the process of pivoting right now to find out like what they can cover that satiates an audience that wants to hear them talk about Star Wars, but isn't like encouraging people to go subscribe to Disney Plus. So it kind of sounds like they're going to play Knights of the Old Republic and maybe like read some old books and that kind of thing. So oh my God, the Star Wars get on books. In. Yeah, yeah, get, get on, on in. It. Get on into a more civilized age. It's a great podcast, and they're also very uh, labor conscious. I, I think I shouted out before their like watch play by play of Andor. That was a really excellent resource when I was watching Andor because I would like watch one episode and then listen to their episode about it and like listen to them really break down the themes in like really nitty gritty ways. Like excellent podcast. Cannot recommend enough. You um, said that there was more than one mailbag. We got one from Chase. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got one more, but we did say we were only going to read the first one we got on the show. However, should we read the second one? Do you think we should? Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Okay. You know what? Why not? We're we're reading it deeper into the show. It's fine. Um, We did get a, (laughs) as as Tori, as you pointed out, we did get a second mailbag uh, response to the I'm listening prompt. Uh, Chase got read at the the top of the show because he was first, but we'll throw this one in for good measure, too. This comes from listener Tim Hart, who says, I hope I won. Did I win? I guess I'll find out in a week or so. The episode has been out for two days now. Let's see if I am the truest press start fan. (laughs) Love, Tim. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. You're like the second truest press start fan. You're always a winner, Tim. Shout out. (laughs) Okay. That was great. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you for making sure that we, uh, we got that in there. Um, from me, otherwise. Games. So, I still have not touched Pikmin 4 because Christine is still, Christine is really close to finishing it 100% okay, of the I way. Okay, I respect like, that. Hey, is she there? Yeah, yeah. Is she home? Um, hey, Christine, are you out here? Uh, yeah, she's over here. Do you want to talk to her about Pikmin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here. Christine, do you want to talk to Tori about Pikmin? I, it won't be too long. I just want to ask a couple questions. It's not going to be long. She just wants to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. Hello. Hi. What Hi. is your favorite? F- You've never played a Pikmin before, right? Oh no. Okay. Now I've played a little bit, but not a whole lot. What is your favorite part about the game? Um, probably the way that you can just. There's so many different ways that you can complete the challenges because I know for fact that i am not doing everything the way the game wants me to be doing it i love that like there are things where you can just throw rock pikmin at it and then just let it go and go do other things even though you could definitely be doing it more strategically but i'm just letting their do- them do their thing i'm such a micromanager i don't like letting them out of my sight it's like a big problem i'm really bad at dan dories i'm like what are you doing over there are you okay are you dying I'm not worried about that. I mean, it happens or it doesn't happen, but regardless, it usually finds a way to pull through for me. Is it just me or are there like not enough blue Pikmin? So I had the opposite problem. So I did one of the like areas entirely only with blue Pikmin to bring all the stuff back. So I had almost 200 at one point just built up. What? Okay. So I'm only just now running out of blue pikmin okay maybe it's because i'm still like in the second area but there's there's areas of water where it's like you have to have 30 of them to freeze the water and i've never had more than 20 never had more than 20 i I need to make more of them or get more of them so i i don't want to say i hacked that but there's one cave in the first level where there's just you could pick up 10 pikmin and if you like 100 percent the cave then they'll just respawn every time you do it So I just did that cave like five times towards the beginning and I had enough ice Pikmin to carry me through. What do you think is the hardest part about Pikmin? Probably just the when you have to defeat like the big ones to get the gate opened to then get to the next part. But there's there's this one thing that happens after you rescue Olimar where it's a side thing. And it's just like, do you need, do you want spoilers? Do you care? It's fine. Okay. So it's like 
a cave and it's 10 levels of dandori challenges (gasps) i fucking love dandori challenges i'm not good at them but i really like them and you can't like do the cheat where you have dingo complete them so you have to do all of them and then there's like two or three levels where you have to collect all of the sparkle no all the raw material and then you have to think ahead and have a pikmin building the like climbing wall with the raw material with the time oh my God. because it's not enough to collect it or get the thing built but you have to collect it get the thing built and then go up the thing to the guy the leafling wow that's really intricate and it is like the first time you do it you're like oh i got all the stuff i'm good and then you realize you were supposed to build the thing and then you get it and you build the thing and you just you run out of seconds as you're climbing up the climbing wall yeah which is incredibly frustrating since you haven't played a pikmin and like olimar was like the the og like pikmin guy protagonist did you understand the lore in the intro did you feel like you needed to be caught up not really so i watched noah play the demo and the whole time he was like look at this this is how it relates to pikmin one or pikmin okay you got the primary yeah, so I have the primer, and then that once you, I guess, complete the rescue Olimar part, there's a part where you get like a flashback and you get to play as Olimar, which is very similar to what I've heard Pikmin 1 was. Okay, cool. That's really, that's really nice. Um, I'm trying to think of any more questions. What's your favorite type of Pikmin? I like the purple ones. Yeah, they're cute. I haven't gotten um, flowers like the nighttime ones yet. I'm very curious about those. Those are so cute. And they have the best feature, which is when they're done doing their thing, they'll just come back to you automatically. Oh my god, that's so convenient. It is. And then um, there's this thing where you like collect enough of them at nighttime and then you get a little seed and you can hatch, I guess throw them in the caves so you could just use them during the normal gameplay. Nice. Nice. How are you leveling your Ochi? Is he like all defense? Is he healing? Is he what's your Ochi skill tree so looking like? I forgot that that was a thing you could do until <laughs> I had maybe 20 rescue drive whatever it's called. Yeah. So like I had points. like 20 Ochi points. And so I had 20 and I was like I'll just go all the way up one all the way down and then i did another one yeah up one all the way down and now he's leveled up all the way minus one where i have to do one more rescue nice love that do you think you'll go back because like pikmin one and two are on the switch now you think you'll go back and play the old ones no i can tell you right now my interest i'll finish this because i'm hyper fixated on it and then I will never think about Pikmin ever again. I will never go back <laughs> and complete more Dandori challenges. I will never go back and like go for gold in the like each thing. I'll never, never come back to this. <laughs> but it was fun while it That's me yes. in Pokemon Snap. Like a new Pokemon Snap will come out like once every 20 years. And then I'll just do nothing but that for a week. And I'm like, I, I am done being a photographer. Yeah. Like, I am so close to finishing, and then as soon as I'm done, Noah will take the game, and I will say goodbye. You'll say goodbye? Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Come back here. Thank you. You're welcome. It's funny, because I'm never going to go and listen to this, so it's just going to be great. on the internet you'll with no my voice. Way, you'll have no way of knowing how Tori edits it. It's oh. great. <clears throat> Bye, Tori. Bye. All right, I'm back. Special shout out to my fa- my fiance, Christine. Thank you. Yeah. Is she going to allow us to use that? Is that okay with her? I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah, I I don't see why not. She said she'd never listen to it, so we're good. <laughs> Bet that's the best. That's the best scenario. All right, uh, I'm back. What did I miss? We were talking about Pikmin. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see what you have. We we did the shadow. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we did. I'm Pokemon. still talking about my stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I that that's right. Because I said I hadn't played any Pikmin. I said if you wanted to know anything about Pikmin, you need to talk to Christine. Um. 
other than that, the the main thing I have been playing the past couple of days is the Pokemon trading card game on Switch Online. Um, so the Pokemon trading card game is very funny because you start it up and it looks like a Pokemon game. It walks and talks like a Pokemon game. You're, you have a little guy, you control him in the overworld. There's no big connected, like, you walk from town to town. It's like a map where it's like, go to the grass place, go to the oh, fireplace, that kind of thing. But, like, the game starts and you're, you go to the professor's place, the professor's lab, and he's like, oh, the Pokemon trading card game is so popular. Which starter deck would you like? And it's like the Charmander oh, starter deck. The Bulbas- So it's like, in this world... Everyone is fucking obsessed with the Pokemon trading card game. And so (laughs) you, as a child, are embarking on a journey to find the legendary cards. It is not yet clear to me what the legendary cards are. Um, But in order to further my goal of getting the legendary cards, I need to challenge the eight club leaders, club masters, club chiefs, I forget what they're called, and get so their kind of master like seals leaders? it is identical yeah. to gym leaders yes okay. you go to the grass club and there are three trainers who you have to fight in a pokemon tcg game and then when you beat them you get booster packs which have 10 new cards just the way a normal booster pack would irl and then you can tweak your deck you can build a new deck um, I haven't built my own deck from scratch yet. I've just been tweaking the starter one that I got. I chose the Charmander starter deck, and I've just been kind of like pulling out guys that I don't fuck with and putting in new ones and that kind of thing. Nice. And then you like fight the master who has like a slightly better deck, and then you move on and you go to the next one. And like it's really cute. It's like it's like a really good framing device for what is effectively just something that you need to keep spitting you out into more battles of a card game and like you know some some games don't even bother with this some games are just like a loose framework around an existing game but the fact that this has like a game game not only that but surrounding this very competent card game is like really cool and i was doing more reading about it i've been like super curious like like i said like this really has me wanting to try playing it irl like i i don't know it's really cool apparently there was a second game boy tcg game that released as well but it was japan only that like included maybe like the next set of cards or whatever that weren't in that like weren't out when this one came out yeah and it would be really neat. I really doubt it would ever happen, but how cool would it be if Nintendo put that on Switch? But um, either way, it sounds like there's like a pretty good English translation patch for it. So after I beat this one, I might check that out. Like maybe patch it and put it on my 3DS or something. So like that's something I'm keeping my eyes on. But Hell yeah, but yeah. Other than that, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Um, what are you playing? Okay, so I don't know if I mentioned this the last time I was here, but like I finished Final Fantasy 16. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, this happens to me every once in a while. Every once in a while, I'll play a game that, like, kind of sucks, but I can't <laughs> stop thinking about it. This was, like, Soul Hackers 2 for me. Okay, like, yeah. This game, the quests are bad. <laughs> the quick time events get repetitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the care, like, some of the story just does not make any fucking sense. Mm-hmm. However,. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm obsessed with the music. <laughs> hmm. The last third of the story kind of got the heartstrings going. Like we love, we love a family death causing major character development. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like it, it. Just I don't know. I keep thinking about it, and I've been thinking like what we should call these types of games. Like these games that kind of suck. But there is like a 30% nugget of it that you're like, damn, that's really good. And then you Uh, can't stop thinking, what do you call those? Besides like 6 out of 10 on IGN, what do you call those? (laughs) I don't even know. I'm trying to think of the last game that had that kind of an impact on me. Like, I don't know. I can't really, I'm not really sure. But I, I agree with you. There are definitely games that like, they kind of stick with you in a way. I'm curious though, like, how is that manifesting for you? Is that like you're listening to the soundtrack during the day, or is that I'm like listening you to the soundtrack during the day? I do miss the combat. I'm not gonna lie, mm-hmm. but like all the bullshit you have to do in between the combat, being like, please find these three logs for me in different regions of the world so I can build mm-hmm. my boat. I'm like, no, this is some bullshit. 
Um, Plus, like, but, like realistically, the, yeah. FF Remake Part 2 will probably scratch that itch for Absolutely. you when it comes out. So, yeah. But, like, the Titan battle? Fucking insane. Like, the most, mm-hmm. one of the most insane battles I've ever had in a video game. So crazy. Um, and the other thing that's doing this to me is, like, we talk a lot about, like, games that you played when things happened to you. Like, uh, I played yeah. this game when I went through my first breakup. I played this game when I went to college. It's so, like, this is a game I played when I lost my mom. And this game yeah. has a lot of, like, loss of immediate family members all over it. And then at the end, it drops a big one on you. Mm. Um, one that, like, actually made me cry. Oh uh, yeah. And so, like, this game is such a fucking mess. But, like, it knows how to get your heart when it wants to. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I've just, I've just been thinking about, I think they, Final Fantasy does this thing sometimes where they, they make a game that's like objectively a swing and a miss, but there's like 20% of it. They are like, please keep doing that. Yeah. And you hope that the next game, they keep that 20% and not the other shitty 80%. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think I'm just hyper fixated on the 20% because of my emotional connection to it. Mm-hmm. But like Final Fantasy 17 will just be full of quick time events and implied <sighs> sex, but no titties or something. That's really funny because like I feel like the Final Fantasy series has a really high rate of that happening, but it's like a character people love. Like people didn't love 13, but they love lightning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like they. Oh my god, the Sid in this game. Oh, is he? Is he good? He's yeah. So good. He also has like <laughs> the sexiest voice. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah damn he's so good huh does this okay so you you can't stop thinking about final fantasy 16 does this still have you wanting to play another final fantasy game it does okay i've been thinking because like i need to expand my final fantasy knowledge because i have like Mm -hmm. seven seven remake crystal chronicles a little bit of 10 but like the Mm -hmm. first two hours at my brother's house one time yeah 15 16 so i'm like i think i need to actually go back and play 10 like yeah. for real play jump in that's good because i started 10 a few weeks ago to kind of like get a little leg up on you because like you generally have more time to sit and play console games than i well, do now so, i like, won't <laughs> well because i start true. my now job you... on monday congratulations um, yeah i'm no longer your unemployed friend on a tuesday being damn, like I, I finished the depths and tears of the kingdom and you're like you're a fucking animal <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on starting your job um but yeah, I think I think you should dive into Final Fantasy X. I think thematically, I don't know that much about the story of Final Fantasy XVI, but based on what I've heard, I think there are elements of the story of Final Fantasy X that will resonate with you. I think especially as somebody who has some religious trauma surrounding like your upbringing, Oof. I think um, like a lot of the Final Fantasy games have like like a bracket that's like it's this one you know final fantasy 7 is the environmentalism one um final fantasy 10 typically gets called like the organized religion one (laughs) so like there we love to see this and like i've never rolled credits on it so i don't know 100 percent where that goes but i've gotten deep enough into it i thought it was just like a beach game (laughs) i'm like it looks like destiny island i did not expect there to be religion the plot of it is kind of like, um, I actually made a post about this on our Tumblr. It's kind of like if the Pope had to, it's kind of like if somebody was training to be the Pope and to become the Pope, they had to go on like a pilgrimage across the world, but they were traveling with a group of semi-pro athletes and they had to keep stopping at like soccer stadiums for their games. So it's like, that's kind of Final Fantasy X. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> The young Pope what? has to travel across the world to, like, purify it, but she also has to, like, go watch Titus's soccer games. <laughs> I love that. The other That's funny thing yeah. I liked is I pulled up, like, Final Fantasy X on my PS5. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, like, the card of it, like, as I was playing music and whatever. Jesse mm-hmm. pointed towards the girl, and he was like, that's just another Tifa. I'm like, not all <laughs> Final Fantasy women are Tifa. Shut that's up. Really funny. No, Yuna's great. I Final Fantasy X, I love the cast. The music is fucking incredible. This is like the last main series game that Nobuo Uematsu did the music for. And so it's like, it's fucking incredible. It's so good. The main theme, when you boot up the game and you get to like the start menu and you hear the main theme of this game, it's called Two Xanarkand. If that doesn't already get its hooks in you, then like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, it's it's such a good game. It's And I'm really yeah. excited to dig deeper into it. I'm, so I'm hyped I think this will be fun. You're prescribing Final Fantasy XV to me 
like a therapist would. Final Fantasy X, but yes, basically. Final Fantasy X to me, like a therapist would. Yeah, you need 15 cc's of hearing uh, voice actor John DiMaggio's really bad island accent. Yes. Jesus, I'm very excited. I'm excited for this. It's a good game. And if we end up getting really deep into it and it's not good, then I'll eat my words. And that'll probably be still a fun discussion either way. So, Yeah, that's the thing. When Final Fantasy games are bad, it's like... A, kind of funny, because they yeah. take themselves seriously. Oh, yeah. And B, <laughs> you want, it's like a, it's like a puzzle. You're like, this is bad, but why? Mm-hmm. And you're like sitting there and trying to parse it out. Yeah. Like, why is 16 kind of bad? Like, there's a lot of reasons why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's a fun mind game. It's that's not why, just like, like a yeah. game that sucks. You know yeah. what I mean? It's That's why, like, one of the main reasons I'm so eager to play 10 is that I really want to play 10-2. I don't know how much you know about 10-2, but, like, that is a direct sequel to 10, but it follows Yuna and two of the other women in the game. So it's like, mm. I, I, it was, if not, it's not the first, but it's, like, one of the only Final Fantasy games at the time that had, like, a female protagonist. And it has this whole system where it's like it really leans into the classes that like the older games have, but it's it's all based around the outfits that they're wearing. And so at the time, people were like, "This is kind of misogynistic." Like you have these women, Mm. and of course, it's a it's a fucking dress up game by their outlets or outfits. But I've heard that it is one really cute and b really really fun, and I really want to try that one. So also, I mean, like I'll be real with you, Final Fantasy sixteen has a problem with women. Yeah, I've heard like, that. I've heard that. The girls are either healers or it's like your very supportive GF. Mm. Who I've heard that the there's final, a lot of yeah. For the final battle, she stays at home mm. and wishes you well, even though she has like Shiva. Oh my god, as like her thing, <laughs> and I'm like, why? Why are you leaving your home, bro? Like, yeah, I've heard that there's a lot of like women dying to further man pain, and it's like, man, or just I like we were done staying at home and yeah. being nice and making you herbs and tea. Ooh. yeah which like fair. listen clive has like evil dead mommy problems i get it but like your gf is fucking shiva like it's <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> she is useful stop it um yeah at the end of the game she's like effectively dog sitting and i'm just like what the oh fuck is going on yeah she's really hanging out with your dog while you go face like god at the end and i'm I just love, like this is ridiculous i love the jrpg trope of like thematically a game being all about like party and family and found family and friends and the gameplay mechanics are all about like building this incredibly strong group of people not just one and then you get to the end of the game and they're like it's just the main character who has to go against the final boss don't worry about it like don't worry literally yeah everyone else fuck you stay home i hate that shit i hate that shit doesn't persona 4 do that uh spoilers for persona 4 i guess oh shit Mm, i feel like yeah because everyone else is like you know like kind of classic persona 3 is like that too it's very true yeah that's something in japanese media because like i was also thinking about sailor moon this is the most like two like 90s anime ass thing ever Mm -hmm. like every season finale sailor moon has to defeat the bad guy herself because all the other sailor soldiers are like crucified and like (laughs) incapacitated i don't know what it is about crucifixion in anime but they love that shit they love it yeah yeah it's really funny to see a Sailor Moon character crucify in her little sailor outfit, though. That shit is hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's of, always up to Usagi. Speaking of anime, I want to shout out real quick before we end to... Um, I stumbled across a YouTube channel, and I've really been enjoying watching their stuff. This person's channel is called Pyramid Inu. P-Y-R-A-M-I-D space I-N-U, like the dog. Um, reminds me very similar vibes to Hazel, whose YouTube videos we recommend a lot. He put out, he, they, I don't know their pronouns, they put out a video recently that is called, hold on, I still have it, it's called Let 1000 Ray Ayanami's Bloom, and it's basically him, them, tracing, like, the the effects that Ray as a character in Evangelion with all of her, like, stoic darkness has on like female characters especially like moe female characters for like the decades to come and so like it starts at evangelion and he ends up going through like harui suzumiya and like all these other shows that were like really big in the 2000s and like what they owe to evangelion and like it was really good it was a really fun video that kind of like 
talked about some stuff I was familiar with and got me thinking about a couple of shows that like I'd never even heard of before. So highly recommend. That was really fun. I'll put a link to that in the description as well. Anyway. Yeah. And then besides that, Pikmin 4, which you've yes. heard me talk about probably yes. earlier in this episode. I'm not far in this game. I'm okay. still in the second area. I At first, I was like, this is a game about collecting things, so I need to 100% mm-hmm. everything. I am not doing that because it is not possible for me to do that mm-hmm. because I don't have enough Pikmin to make things happen. Yeah. I'm running into an issue where there are large bodies of water that I can't cross because you need 30 ice Pikmin to freeze the bodies of water. And I've never had more than 20 ice Pikmin because mm-hmm. I just can't find them. And then when I find them, they die very easily, <laughs> in my opinion. And so your yeah, lovely like, fiance uh, just told me a technique of how yes. to farm ice Pikmin. God bless her. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Christine probably told you this, but like the one of the things about the Pikmin series is that it's very good about leading you to an area where you see something and like as a gamer your instinct is i need to complete everything in this area before i move on but like like one of the best things in the first pikmin is like when you see stuff that's underwater before you get the blue pikmin and it's just like you're looking at it like well how the fuck am i supposed to get that Mm -hmm. like and then Mm -hmm. once you get the blue pikmin it's almost like metroidvania in some ways where it's like you get a new pikmin type and your brain clicks on and you're like okay let me think back to past instances where like this ability comes in handy. Like in the in the first game, the yellow Pikmin can pick up bombs. And then once you get the yellow Pikmin, you're like, oh, I bet the bombs can be used to knock down the walls that my red Pikmin mm, weren't strong enough to yeah. knock down. So like it goes against the impulse of like wanting to clear out an area before you leave it. But it is yeah. it is still a really interesting thing. Oftentimes you have to leave the area and then come back. I did get to, I got the rock pigment and they can break like unbreakable, previously unbreakable walls, which is mm-hmm. very helpful. They just like bash their rock heads against the wall and break things, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I've been having, I'm having fun with them. Uh, oh, and then the, I got the yellow pigment that jump really high. They could reach things that are really high and bring them down. So that's been fun. Another thing I really like about it so far is the, I really like the Dandori games. The Dandori yeah. games are so, um, there's something about it, like the love of efficiency. It's, it, to me, it's a very like Japanese value of like putting things where they belong and a love of, of like mm-hmm. efficiency and teamwork and collectivism. Uh, basically the Dandori games are like, you are competing against another team of Pikmin to like collect items in an area and defeat enemies and mm-hmm. score points by bringing stuff to your spaceship. And I've gotten really, I was really bad at it at first and I've gotten pretty good at it. Uh, my issue is that I'm a bit of a helicopter parent of my Pikmin. I don't like when I can't see them because I'm worried they're like getting eaten. Hmm. And so I'm always like, where are those five guys? They get eaten. And I yeah. like look, and they're just like chilling in a corner near a cardboard box. I'm like, oh god, okay, you're fine. Yeah. Hey, come over here. And like, I need to learn how to like let them do their thing, and like just keep the cycle of them coming and going, coming yeah. and going. Yeah, one of the craziest I've, I've things. I've learned. Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. I've learned that when I am a little less obsessive about where they are, I tend to do better. Yeah, one of the craziest things I've seen watching Christine play as like I'm someone who has like a good bit of hours into some of the older Pikmin games, but very, very, very few hours into this game. Like I'll watch her do Dandori challenges or other parts of the game and just like throw a squad of Pikmin at an enemy and then leave to go do another thing. And I'm just like, why would you do that? Like they're going to die. They're going to all get eaten. And she's like, no, a few of them will get eaten, but like they'll kill him and then they'll bring the body back to the thing and it'll be fine. And it's like, the once I think once you get to that stage of delegation where like you're not worried about losing a few guys and you're really thinking about it in like RTS terms, like then you've broken it. You've you've cracked the nut, you're playing Pikmin the way the game wants you to play Pikmin. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's taught me to like value life, but also like let go a yeah. bit. Damn. There's there's got Someone needs to do an allegory of, like, Pikmin and, like, raising children or something. I've never had kids, but someone needs to write the thing somewhere, be a really beautiful essay, 
where you at gamers gamer parents where you at um, i read it yeah it'll probably get published somewhere it. it's great yeah. yeah i'm into it i'm into it but yeah that's pretty much what i've been playing uh yeah. i haven't really done anything else i did i did go camping that's true this past week it was great uh i did not bring my laptop i could barely connect to the internet nice and i just like read a book and spent a lot of time outside i was touching a lot of grass so good for you it was good for me good for you yeah i think it's kind of all we got um where can people find you on the internet you find me on x nope nope on twitter at tori (laughs) underscore as underscore always you can see my my zeets if you will i'm on the same website that i won't name at noah underscore hertz spelled h-u-r-t-s the podcast is on Twitter at press underscore start pod, and it's on Tumblr at press a hyphen start pod. Uh, what else? Our music and cool sound effects, except the ones we steal from video games and other sound effects libraries, are from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff at n-o-a-h-g-e-i-s-t dot bandcamp dot com. Our show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics. And as always, like we mentioned at the top, you can email us with questions, concerns, video game whatever at hey press start at gmail.com and yeah i think that does it anything else any further thoughts Ooh, i think i think let the pikmin lead you Mm, that's good that sounds like something you'd like cross stitch and put on a pillow yeah yeah i'm into i'm into that (laughs) absolutely let the pikmin lead you and thank you for listening (laughs) 